Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you every Thursday night. So uh, hop up in the chat on Facebook or on YouTube, and we always have a good time there. And remember, your chats might make it onto the show. And if you can't catch us live, you can always catch the replays or in your favorite podcasting app. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I am a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. All right. Next up for his introduction, Joe Martinez. How's it going, Joe? Wow. I'm, I'm never next. Um, you threw me You threw me for a loop. I yes. did. I did. Hello. Namaste and welcome. Uh, Joe Martinez. Let's see. Still Worshipful Master of Manasseh Lodge number 182. Member in a whole bunch of other places. And... Uh, yeah, not in in an undisclosed location like uh, like John. So, damn glad to be here. Yes. All right. Super cool. And next up for his introduction, Jason Richards. How's it going, Jason? It's good. How are you, John? I am great. Yes, I am. I am on travel, but having a good time. Wouldn't miss the show. Yeah. Uh, unlike Robert. Unlike Robert. Was out tonight. Um, my name is Jason Richards. I'm past master vacation lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, and current honorary Tyler of Manassas Lodge 182 in Manassas, Virginia. Emeritus okay. for life. I mean, I'm okay with being Tyler Emeritus for Manassas. It's fine. At least until and December. From Antarctica. Yeah. Antarctica. Wow. Awesome. It's pretty cool. We got to do that again. I don't know. Doug might keep me outside the door next year. We'll see. I was kind of looking forward to sitting outside. <laughs> oh, okay. You can. That's fine. <laughs> and I, I think we'll still have our, our, our Tyler Emeritus, but yeah. Um, I can, I can take it. Like you don't love me. I get it. I, I do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, right. we have, uh, we have let's shout out to the patrons. You guys rock my socks. So we love you. you support the show. Head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Rail table. I keep, this education going for many years to come. Woo. Yeah. That's or until it question. stops being fun. Yes. You were almost 10 years in. Ten, don't not do it. Ten years and later. it's still fun. It's still fun. All right. It's that time again. Tarot card of the week. Jason, what deck are you pulling from today? All right. Tonight we have the golden black cat tarot. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty and it's huge, which means it's a royal pain in the booty to shuffle. But uh, those are those are some big black cards. It's it's not the size; it's your intuition, yes. and how you use them. So, all right. So, going over to the handy dandy tarot cam with Ooh. our awesome TMR coaster. Ooh. Let's see what do we got here. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. We've got the two of wands. Look at that. Oh, nice. So two of wands, recognizing that you've got a choice to make. Mm-hmm. You, you know, wands are associated with the element of fire, you know, often emblematical of manifestation and creation. Mm-hmm. And spiritualism. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Project management. Mm-hmm. 
manifestation creation. Yeah. I mean, so you have a choice to make discovery. Yeah. Like go out mm-hmm. and go out and discover something. Mm-hmm. Be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Twos are always those binary ones where you get like the lovers, you get the, the two of swords, the two of wands. They're always ones for me that are like, you have a hard choice to make. Like, unlike the two of swords where she's blindfolded. Yep. Right. Where it's like you're, 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 you're stopping yourself. You're holding yourself back from making a choice. Two of wands is much more active, right? Like, yep. okay, you know, you have a choice to make, you better go make a good one. Well, and, and you see the, the cat essentially has the, the world in his paw. Right. And so it's yeah. really like you can, you know, you're between two paths, but you can really manifest your, your own destiny across the, the world and the universe. I love it. Cool. Boom. Cool. Well, thanks for that. No problem. All right. Tonight's topic. So this is one that's uh, kind of interesting. Something that's bothered me for quite a while, which is how come things don't always line up the way they're supposed to be done or the way they're said they're done or the way we're told they should be. Um, so you know what grinds my gears? <laughs> right. So it's just, it's just so strange because the more you start going deeper down this Masonic rabbit hole and the longer you're a Mason, you start finding things that may not always be as they seem, may contradict the ritual, believe it or not. So tonight we're going to explore some of those. Some of them are jurisdictional. Some of those are just flat out curiosities of our fraternity. So let's dive into it. Um, Joe, you want to pick one to, to start with and we'll get all fired up? Oh, yeah. Let's just do it. All right. So let's start with um, let's start with the, an annoying one. Aprons. <gasps> two are aprons. So, yeah. So all of us here are travelers. And we travel to other jurisdictions, and we love to do masonry in other places. Yes. Um, we've all been in many lodges across many jurisdictions in this nation, overseas. We've traveled. Um, so we get to wear our aprons in a lot of places. And my biggest pet peeve is that no, no one has decided how to wear their apron in a Masonic lodge. Uh, you go to some places... And they wear them outside their coats or outside their, their jackets. Right, right. And some other places, like in Virginia, they wear them inside the coats and inside the jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So if we're all uh, if we're all supposed to be the same, yeah. why are there so many different ways to wear We them? are a universal brotherhood with lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. Brotherhood <laughs> and name only of- sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the past two times that I have gone out of state to present um i have been informed in one case rather rudely that uh i was wearing my apron incorrectly and what just so you're aware like that's not a way to like make friends with the speaker i know one of those one of those times yeah yeah, like, no, the latest, the latest one in, in Colorado, the, the master uh, made a comment. And I serve at the will and pleasure of the master of his lodge. Well, that's nice. But um, 
I've had people that have come to lodges in Virginia to come visit and they wear their aprons, uh, you know, how they want and this, that, and the other thing. And the common consensus I've seen, and I've been to many jurisdictions and so have you guys, is for the most part, unless you get a cranky dude that wants to be in your face, is you wear your apron according to the rules of your jurisdiction. Interesting. Because I've heard the Because you're not a prick as master. I've heard. (laughs) But I've heard just the opposite. My mentor early on said, you do the when in Rome play about you know do what romans do it's true and so um you just kind of look around and follow along right so but you're still not a roman right so you're uh, you're still yeah. like a philistine when you walk into that right so you're not a roman you get you don't get to sit at the big boy table and make mm-hmm. decisions and vote and things you are a guest so do you do you act like a guest or do you act like a member you know a diplomat yeah exactly yeah which then related, right? You have the opposite's true. Usually, most jurisdictions they will have a separate formal ceremony, like for for public events, cornerstone laying, parades, that kind of thing. And you might find that to be the opposite case of what they wear in a tile lodge versus then they would do the opposite. So again, in in Virginia, we wear our aprons under our coats. Except for lodge, except for except for public ceremonies that take place. Exactly my point. Outdoors, right? So yeah, so that's kind of strange. But then the opposite's true in other jurisdictions. And you're muted, Joe. It wasn't me this time. I actually, I know. I actually like Virginia's rule um, because. That was Jake's <laughs> mother Hubbard. Um, you're gonna get me to really not go wow. here. <laughs> yes. No, as you were saying before, you I so rudely muted yourself <sighs> twice in a row. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Might happen again. So you've been in other jurisdictions, Joe. Yeah. Um, you've been I, all uh, around those jurisdictions, uh, right? So that was my point. Yeah. So. Um, Virginia. Are there any other jurisdictions besides Virginia where you wear it on the inside? Have y'all been to one? I'm trying to think. Okay, so that's good for if you're watching the show, throw it in the chat. Yeah, chime when, in. When, you're, chime when in. you're in Lodge, is it under or over? So, something to think about. Oh, we'll watch that. We'll keep Brother Mo said Israel, they wear on the inside. Look at that. There you go, brother Mo, for the save. Florida, Florida, where I'm on the okay. inside. All places I'm I'm gonna visit, because then I don't have to button my coat. Indeed. Yes. Agreed. I'm sure. Love it. Love it. Cool. Okay. Well, while we're on the topic of aprons, um, there's also times during the ceremony we're not going to give anything away, where we wear aprons differently as we go through the ceremonies and some are, some are some real head scratchers. <laughs> yes, they are. Where did this come from? Really? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you say and master yet, Masons wear them that way. Well, why? I, I don't see. Right. Okay. So, so we were going to be vague on this, but so, and I, I literally had a head scratcher. I went to uh can't talk. We can talk about him cause he's not here. I went to uh, RJ's lodge a couple weeks ago. And they did a master mason degree and they did the apron correctly 
and which cemented my my anger over doing the apron incorrectly right because it makes yes. no damn sense right <laughs> right you put this apron in this weird yeah. way and then 10 minutes later he's wearing, wearing it like a tri-cornered hat you know ah, you just gave all the secrets oh i violated my obligation wait which one we'll get to that later remember your oats so yeah i mean and again that's another thing i find extremely ironic again if we're supposed to be a universal fraternity with recognition we should at least get something as simple as how to wear your apron right <laughs> you know that's a basic thing it's kind of like at the, least the of pseudo mode of recognition right yeah you know i think that <laughs> Well, I mean, for, for me, what, what, especially with this, this particular, not the just wearing them every day to meetings, because we know things change over time. But when did this actually diverge, right back in the day, like, you've got your early 18th century Freemasonry. I'm sure people were doing kind of things kind of sort of similarly, like, when did it diverge is my question? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, what I would default back to is like, uh, a Mason's words, right by Robert Davis when you look at how Preston and Webb were like just going up and down the coast and everything, trying to spread some ritual, right? How much of that got adopted? Cause you know, even us as traveling men, when we go to a different jurisdiction, like, Oh, we use the same uh, ritual as Virginia. And I'm like, well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> Cause it still changed a little bit. And, and so you wonder the, the 200, 300 year game of telephone that once they started writing it down, then, um, yeah, it well, it becomes a uh, hard to trace. Sorry, I thought you were done, but you're you're actually breaking up. Um, we we tend to forget too. We had this thing in the 1840s called the Baltimore Convention, right? And that where some people got some some jurisdictions got together and decided things for everybody else, and not all of them were there, and not all of them were represented so there were changes made there you know with grips and words and things and you know just to spice things up and change it around you know so it could have been it could have been a byproduct of this wanting to change things around as well i agree all right jason what's the next one so you know riding on on the coattails of the baltimore convention of 1843 how about the fact that you are pronounced a brother at your entered apprentice degree? But at least in a bunch of jurisdictions, you can't attend the brothers' meetings until you're raised a Master Mason. That's a good one. You're a second class citizen. Not necessarily. So, well, I mean. No, I, I no. He's no. I I see what he's saying. Well, it's uh that's a, that's a bigger contradiction in and of itself. I mean, we're we're both a member of a jurisdiction where they can meet for business on the entered apprentice degree. Yep. And your entered apprentices come in and they have a, they can take officer chairs and they can do most things that a master mason can do. But then we're also a member of a jurisdiction where everything happens in a master mason's lodge. Um, yeah, that's nice, but some of them, one pays dues and one doesn't there. So, I mean, that's, that's the big difference there. I can't even pronounce that name. Um, yes. So whoever that was, yes. A brother is a brother uh, until he gets a dues card. So, um, unless he's not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I find it interesting that, um, some jurisdictions will 
And I think many jurisdictions now can open on a lower degree to do business and have it, have it be more inclusive and things like that. But some are just not there yet. Well, we're not talking about the jurisdictions that have to open on one degree and then go up and then go up again for a degree and then go down and down again. That's boo. That's Sorry. also how to, how to waste six hours in the lodge. Oh uh, yeah. It takes a long time to go walk through those degrees. Yeah. Uh, next one I want to talk about is temperance, right? We teach about the Masonic virtue of temperance and how we have a stationed officer whose sole job is to promote temperance and keep an eye on the brothers. And Jason, your keyboard is so loud tonight. You are, you are. It is. It's like you're, it's like, it's like you're playing it's like Joe's, Joe's, Joe's rings. Ah, no clicks from Joe's rings. So anyway, um, yeah, so temperance, right? We have we have a stationed officer who's responsible for keeping an eye on the brethren and making sure that uh, they don't have a little too much sauce at the the after party or the, uh, the the festive board. But yet, in some jurisdictions, specifically, I'm thinking of Virginia, we are a dry jurisdiction. So we have except, in our except for uh, like ex- table lodges. Ritual. Ritual. Yes. Ritual. Yeah. Oh, it but is we have in ritual. our bylaws that you uh, you can't even have alcohol on the premises. Means if you have a whole football field of property, like Manasseh, you can't have a, a closed alcoholic container all the way, you know, on the other side of the field. Yeah. Do not have a six pack of beer in your trunk while you are right. parked in a you know parking lodge of the Masonic Lodge. Yeah, so that th- there's an obvious contradiction there, right? Because yeah. um, because then we all say, oh well, all the bro- all the brothers just go leave lodge and go to the bar. Great. So then why why can't we uh, do that responsibly at the lodge, right? Why but, have a junior warden? Yeah, why have that as the responsibilities of, of of the junior warden? Right, and then again, being traveling man going to other jurisdiction where they not only you know have a the imbibe after. Lodge. They also have it downstairs in their basement with a fully stocked bar, and it's it's a fantastic experience, right? Because they are being their brother's keeper, they are being responsible, and they look out for each other. I think that's that's just a beautiful thing, and and it works. So, so no, I, I completely agree, and and we've all been present in lodges where the fellowship is amazing, and we're all responsible for one another, and we don't act like you know idiots. Um, so. You're allowed to be a grown-up in the presence of alcohol and not do stupid crap. It's amazing. It it happens infrequently, but, you know, in a Masonic Lodge, it actually happens all the time. But, um, yeah, I, I find that super interesting that we – it's in our ritual to be temperate, but it's impossible to be temperate when you're told no. I mean, it's like abstinence-only education, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Right. And someone, well, and I think uh, I won't name individual jurisdictions, but I can speak for one that, you know, the, the common misconception is that, oh, it's a holdover from prohibition. No, it's not. I mean, a lot of the, some jurisdictions, you know, have been dry since prohibition and I get it. That's, you know, it's, it's a throwback to a time where it was legal to drink in this country, but for a certain jurisdiction that I'm a member of, 
it became law in the 1980s. So somebody just got a wild bug up their butt and said, no mass alcohol. And so it has nothing to do with prohibition. It has nothing to do with alcohol being illegal. It's just somebody, um, you know, like got a wild hair and, and ended the party. So poop. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. Who wants the next one? What's the next one? Thanks back Can to we... you, Joe. Or oh, Jason. Go ahead, Joe. No, no, no. Uh, let's go with, um, oh, this one I just saw recently. Uh, so we're all Masons and we recognize one another. Yes. For the most part, in, in most regular Prince Hall jurisdictions, there is some sort of recognition. Yep. But if you travel to di- different jurisdictions and listen to degrees, you will hear slightly different obligations. What? Yeah. So, no which, which is weird. Sometimes quite different. Yeah. Entire sections missing. Looking yes. at you, Pennsylvania. Yes, or and and I just recently traveled to Illinois and I sat for a master mason's degree and there were some big chunks missing from there. And I was like, oh. But we're, well, we're all on the level though. Right. So, there's so many of them. Are we the same kind of mason if we put different obligations? Yeah, that that just seriously that one irks me just from a like a, the literalism part of it. Like Yeah. that they took a different obligation and so therefore I'm not saying one is better or worse. I'm just saying there is an inequality that we are just going to look over. It's like, you know, I'm trying to like relate it. I mean, I guess a really bad metaphor here would be like, you know, your, your local state driver's license gives you the ability to drive in other jurisdictions that may have different laws, right? So you passed your driving test that could allow for right turn on red, but in other states, they don't allow right turn on red. So, you know, you're still allowed to drive. We're all on the same road together, but some people took different driving tests. I will still make a right turn on red no matter where I am. So, cause that's me. Cause I got stuff to do and places to go. So. Okay then. <clears throat> yeah. So that just, from a logistical standpoint, that just blows my mind. I don't know. Well, and it, it causes problems on social media too. Just from the standpoint of preventing <laughs> so, everything causes problems on social media. You're not wrong. No, but you know, <laughs> we get we get the provincial masons, as Nick Johnson liked to term them, in the Facebook groups. They're like, Well, hey, I remember my obligation, but nobody else here does. It's always like which one? It's it's kind of when someone's <laughs> like, Well, it's in the Bible, and I'm like, which translation? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Ah, good times. Good times. Ooh, I got another thing about obligation. Um, oh, yeah. There are some jurisdictions that for a while now have taken out major sections uh, like the penalties. Yes. That's yes, right. There are some jurisdictions, quite a few jurisdictions, um, and many overseas, too, that no longer have the penalty aspect of the obligations there anymore. Mm. What That's if it's an allegory? Well, if it's a spirit of the obligation, well, can can the spirit of something be binding upon you? Like if you think of the if you think of the obligation as a contractual binding right. agreement with exactly. deity, we're not legally married; we're just spiritually married. So, you which know, is, don't worry about it. Hun. Which is like 
the same the kind of rationale that is, uh, yeah, it, it's the same rationale for why the Holy Bible in some jurisdictions must be on the altar. And you can't use, you know, an empty book emblematical of, you know, your preferred VSL because there's, there's a binding contractual um, piece to, to that obligation. Well, there you go. There, there's another contradiction. Right? I'm just going to keep chomping my, my alligator hands. I think, um, hungry, hungry hippo, cuckoo kangaroo. I think, uh, in Illinois, they were trying to bring up the addition to change some of the wording. So it doesn't say the Holy Bible and allows the, right, the brethren of different faiths to hear the words that represent their VSL. So, well, there are, there are jurisdictions that use, terms like volume of sacred law in place of, uh, you know, an actual name scripture, which I think is inclusive and it doesn't disparage people. Um, you know, but the, the converse of that is you go to lodges that, and he's playing world of Warcraft again, cause I hear him on his keyboard. Um, <laughs> you've got jurisdictions that will. I was typing right back to none your business. Oh, and then yes. Um, Man, level 70 butt elf on oh, wow, Jason Richards. Excuse me, <laughs> I'm a rogue dark elf mistress. Thank you very Ooh. much. Anywho, uh, I forgot my point. No, what I was saying was, um, what were we talking about? You're you can't rogue dark VSLs, VSLs, yeah, DSLs. Not DSLs. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, we all have broadband. We've all been to lodges where it's extra, extra dogmatic in the lodge room that night. You're like, I'm like, am I in lodge or am I in like Sunday revival? Like what's going on here? Like you get the antithesis of, you know, um, universality in yeah. certain lodges. And it, it's like this flavor that takes over the whole lodge. Sure. And it's like, where am I? We are tolerant of all religions as long as they use the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> we are tolerant of all monotheistic, albeit Trinitarian, religions in this particular jurisdiction. Yeah. That meet on Sunday and have yeah. barbecue after. Boom. Yeah. Yes. That do the full dunking, right. not the sprinkles. Yeah. Mm. Jason, next your next one. Oh my goodness. Um can we talk about the use of the square and compasses in your business? Um, Ooh, there are let's. there are a number of jurisdictions, um, one of ours included, that has a prohibition on brethren using the square and compasses um, as part of their advertising for their business. Yeah, so and, we, it makes sense. It makes perfect logical sense, right? We are not here to network it helps helps us from a fraternity but not to exploit the fraternity for financial gain right so profiting off of the craft right profiting right. off of the square encompasses i think we would generally agree that yeah you 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 know i mean i'm i'm all about capitalism but you know not in not in a you know in a it's been a long day. Exploited way. It's been a long day. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, Not I, in the exploitative way. Yes. Thank right. you, John. I get the spirit of what you're saying, even if the words don't come out. Yeah. Um, it's been a long but, day. Uh, but what about what about 
companies that Masons and lodges and grand lodges buy from, why is it okay for them to? Well, obviously, it? they don't ever what use you, compass. They what if you make and sell regalia? What if you make and sell Masonic artwork and t-shirts? Like, what if your name is J.P. Luther or McCoy's? Right. Or I wasn't going to name names. We were all thinking them. I, I didn't either. These are just friends of mine. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, that's that's such a huge contradiction. Like, we are, we are okay and very okay with shelling out tons of money for apparel, but it seems, but it's it, all other forms of you know, Masonic advertisement, you know, for, for a vocation or business are, are shunned. Even like, I'm, I'm going to bring up, um, you know, Juan Sepulveda's apply Freemasonry program, which is an excellent program to, to go through. Um, he got, and, and I believe continues to get a lot of flack and consternation. Um, and he's called exploitative and really like, he's providing an incredible service to brothers and helping lift brothers up. Yeah. I've and that's wrong. From it. Exactly. Yeah, agreed. agreed. Right. All right. I got another one. Okay. Yes. So yes, we all agree that it is kind of, that is kind of a contradiction that especially if you mass produce or mass sell Masonic items, then that's, that's okay. Yeah. But otherwise for everybody else, yeah. that's a bad thing. Yep. Back to the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. So, oh wait, before we before we do this, okay, can we talk about Kenneth Beeler's comment? Uh, okay, so if you are advertising and the money is going back to lodges, that should be okay. How much, right? Because this is still a for-profit company, I'm assuming, and they are advertising Masonic services. Then yeah, if you're doing like you know Hiram's plumbing. Um, how much of that is going to charity or back to the lodge? Right. Yeah. Is that okay? And if so, how much? Hundred percent? Ninety percent? And then you know, if you're if you're putting all of your money from your business back into the lodge, are you then violating your obligation because you're not taking care of you know, the people who yeah. really need your money? That's true. Like your wife. Like your family. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's good. It's a good question. Let's um, let's move on. There's another one that I that I found fascinating. So there I was reading. Yes, stop the skull hate. Stop skull. There's hate. a there's a masonic contradiction right there. We love skulls, not because it's spooky and cool. We should talk about that before that's we it. get to exactly. John's. Yeah, yeah. Prefer by all means, Dylan, interrupt. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Dylan. Are there skulls in masonry? Thanks, Are there skulls in masonry? Well, there there have been since the earliest 18th century tracing boards, John. Yes. And before the the first Grand Lodge in the United States was formed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, you know, I think you know our our historical knowledge, you know, especially among provincial masons, is only back as as far as they can remember, and. When you don't, when you don't actively take part in reading and preserving your history, like you lose that that ground truth and that knowledge, 
And so we have we have folks that swear up and down that the the skull and the chamber of reflection is a York Rite innovation. Like like or you can go back to like the time when masonry was founded. <laughs> right. Before York Rite existed, right? Before the yeah. 1750s, right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 I I've thought about this a lot and you yeah, I have. The and, skulls and, say otherwise. I didn't know yeah. you could think. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, we all like to talk about how the the glory days of Freemasonry really weren't the glory days of Freemasonry. It's just when we had a lot of people and money and did fancy crap, right? So, because there was nothing else for people to do except yes. like spend time with their families. That being said, I don't think it's the fault of those people why we're having issues with emblems of mortality shall we say because when they joined the craft all of this was gone and it was immaterial and it was irrelevant right because it was party time it was let's have a gala and let's have a, a fancy dinner and let's get in tucks and tails and let's party all the time and that kind of thing and that's the kind of masonry that they grew up with so you know for us to shock them back into this no we're actually talking about are you muting me? No, I'm muting. He muted me. I was typing again. Clicky keys. Um, <laughs> you know, it legitimately scares the crap out of some of these people when we talk about things like death, you know, and mortality, even though they're kind of this intrinsic part of masonry. But again, it goes back to you've got guys, a whole generation or two of people that came in where it was basically a play, right? And they got to see it and that's cool. And they moved on and they went on to to social hour and had a drink or two and party. Mm -hmm. So I understand. And you just got to put your arms around them and give them a hug and then say, shut up because this is what masonry is. Yes. In that order. Boom. Okay. Done. Let's go. Next up. What, what were you going to talk about, John? Well, before I was so rudely and kindly interrupted. Yeah, Dylan. Good, God, good Dylan. suggestion. Is that Dylan. good? Um, another one that I had that I was kind of curious about again, diving deep into the ritual, why we do things. Um, we explain a lot of the symbols, right? We have ritual that goes into at least a par paragraph long detail on every single symbol and emblem that we see as we go through the degrees, except the second half of the third degree. And so we don't have explicit explanations of some things that happen in that second half, which I was validated when I cracked open my copy of Esoterica written by Albert Pike. And before it got into any of the symbolic Blue Lodge, like explanations and, and philosophy, let me just uh, mute Jason there. There we go. Um, there was like 30 pages of rating. He's rating. Of, Pike is traveling all around and there's copies of his speeches going, I joined this awesome fraternity. I was told I was going to get explained everything. Why don't I can't, I can't get a straight answer from anyone, anyone on what happened on the second half. Like it's like, it's like you go to like a Christopher Nolan movie and you're like, what did I just watch? Like, and you're like, go Wikipedia. And you're like, that didn't help. And you go on like fan sites and you're like, that didn't help. 
And then you get into the fringe conspiracy theories, and you're like, oh, that really doesn't help. That's really good. I don't know if it's right, but that's what I'm going with. Which is what led Albert Pike to actually write um, a lot of his explanation of what he believes. And he says, hey, these are just my interpretations. Like, unless someone better comes along, I'm just going to go with these. This is what I believe these characters and symbols represent. And that's where we got Esoterica. Yep. So good book. If you haven't read it, um, good book, yep. but, uh, yeah. And so again, I felt Available validated when I, audible. When I, yeah. When I saw a pike was just like, I don't get it. I don't know. So, so if no one's going to, if no one's going to explain it for me, I'm going to, I'm going to try and figure it out myself and, and share that with the world. So good for him for doing that. But that certainly, um, still exists today where we explain what this working tool means. We explain what this symbol means. And then we get to the end and we're like, wasn't that nice? That's like a cool ceremony. You're like, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that. But it's sublime, bro. So sublime. Well, sublime. you do have some in, in the defense of people who actually care about our fraternity. You've got some awesome brothers that do an amazing job of explaining who those players are in the second section of the Master Mason's degree. Um, I mean, shout out to, uh, if you've not heard this talk, I urge you to do it. Uh, Brother Sean Bradshaw, past Grandmaster of North Carolina. He does a talk about the three ruffians that will knock your hair back. Like, hard. Like, you go from Jason to this. Whoa. It is awesome. <laughs> so, boom. So that's mine. That's a contradiction that I still have not had resolved. Yep. Cool. But it's a good thing, like, with the symbols we do have, they are consistent, even, like, across the pond, too, right? Like, working tools are all the same, and... I mean, I, I for one, really <laughs> appreciate the, the beauty of the pencil. My, my, my favorite... My favorite is the skirt. Mm. <laughs> yes. Can I tell you how I first learned that people use different working tools? How did you first well, learn that people use different working tools, Jeff? Yes. So I was a, uh, a new, new officer. So this is going back quite a few years. And I was gifted a little working tools. Y'all seen those? They're like in the little jewelry box oh, kind of thing. Little, little tiny things. Yeah. And I opened it up. I was super excited. And I saw the square and the compasses and I saw the the gauge. I saw all the regular working tools and then I saw a little pencil. I was like, what the hell is that? And then I saw another <laughs> little pencil with a little stringy thing around it. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I had to actually go Google that to realize that other jurisdictions use different working tools than we do, which is um, again, I don't know. I don't know why. Universal Brotherhood until we're not. Sigh. Audible sigh. It is for mini from golf. Yes. <laughs> Some card is in Fuego tonight. <laughs> I mean, he's usually under par. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that that is a huge contradiction. Again, if we're going to say the obligations should be similar, then then uh, yeah, certainly our our tools should be similar. Okay. Well, what is masonry? That's a good one. What is masonry? Masonry. Oh, <laughs> like, like who are brothers? I've, I've heard that word. I've heard brother. it. Brother Meddy. Love you, man. 
Yeah, I've heard masonry. masonry quite a few times in lodges in Virginia, and I don't know what the hell masonry is. Can we just say the folks watching the live tonight are like on freaking fire? Yes. You're, the chats are awesome tonight. ChatGPT said the ending of the third degree teaches the importance of reading the minutes. Ban yeah. hammer. Because <laughs> that's what masonry is all about. Mm -hmm. Let's go. What's another okay. one? It's a bunch of admins right, so banning stupid people. <laughs> yes. Ooh, so well, I got another one. Uh, so Please. touching on different working tools, why do no two jurisdictions have the same ancient landmarks if they're ancient and they're landmarks? Yeah. That wasn't and they're immutable ancient landmarks. They never move. Yeah. They never From change. time immemorial. From or time eight, immemorial. Or 1859 when they were first yeah. written. But yeah, that's fine too. I, I like to say in all of my presentations that you know masonry has existed since time immemorial because masons are terrible historians and they just ah. like figured that that sounded good. That's right. If we're going to gloss over the details, these are, this is not the research we're looking time for. Time immemorial. Jedi mind trick. Adam was a mason. Oh, really? Adam and was Noah a and his sons were all masons. The minutes. Adam left Eve and went to go, go listen to the minutes. <laughs> and argue about crap. <laughs> Cain killed Abel because Abel's green beans were slightly undercooked. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no problem with that if that is the truth. Um, that is funny. Uh, uh, you're a terrible person. Yeah, but so again, in all seriousness, right? Like we've had lots of discussion about the landmarks and how they're inconsistent. They've evolved over time. They've been added to, subtracted to. Each jurisdiction may or may not codify them, right? Which gets into like the whole point of having landmarks was to promote recognition and harmony. And yet now we've, we've got something that we think there's a baseline from the Conference of Grandmasters in North America that to be kind of recognized in that group, you have to follow this, this short list, but yet still. Um, it's like 28 items, right? Yeah, uh, up to. Yeah, and including. Yeah. And not all jurisdictions list them. They're not in. Right. You know, they're not in the law book. Um, some some jurisdictions have them on their website, I guess, as, just, as a suggestion. But some True. make them part of their, their code or their law, whatever it's called, in their jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Some don't. So, Well, and, Pick and one. Also, also, too, like many jurisdictions kind of define regularity along the terms of adherence to the landmarks. Right. Right. And so now... I, I tell people Freemasonry is, is like the UN. It's all about who recognizes who. Um, but there are, there are jurisdictions that, uh, like UGLE, which, um, you know, you know, state that, you know, the, the women's Grand Lodge, HFAF, um, are regular in all things except for that which they uh you know they admit women and yeah. so like not only are landmarks a moving target but we also don't recognize you know bodies and jurisdictions that may have the same landmarks that we do mm -hmm. awesome so let's see uh, I'll, go to, I'll go to one one more. The, um, the conversations about 
clandestine versus irregular, this versus regular versus recognized, right? To build on, on what you were just saying, Jason. Um, Can we talk about think- how, uh, how you got in trouble for your presentation on George Washington, where you said he was regularly made Mason? He was. You had a very upset set of district deputies dress you down after that. Not only was he irregularly made, he was also in a lodge that was not chartered by a Grand Lodge. So therefore, at the time, was also clandestine. So he was both a clandestine and a regular Mason up until the lodge healed itself about seven or eight years later. Yeah. I would call that trailblazing, not clandestineness. Okay. <laughs> but it's, 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 our, it's our boy GW, so that's okay. I mean, that's the pinnacle of I'll start my own Grand Lodge with Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> Rules Full for the fut- Futurama style. But not for me. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but back to the, the regularity, the clandestine, the irregular, like you'd think there would be a common definition of those. And yet, still to this day, we'll see brothers fighting on social media of they, they don't have the specific definitions per their Grand Lodge, right? So each Grand Lodge also interprets those words like clandestine, irregular, etc., differently. Which I find, which again, I find fascinating from like, can we just agree on common terms? I- I don't find it fascinating. I find it annoying as hell because when I get into one of those Facebook arguments that last for hours, we're not even speaking the same vocabulary. So no progress is made in the discussion whatsoever. Right. And it's, it's, it's frustrating as all hell, but to your point, you know, there is this, you know, at least in the United States, we have this bare minimum of landmarks that, that we're supposed to agree to so that we can play with each other. Why can't we just agree on, what's a clandestine mason versus what's an irregular mason and just put that out there maybe make it a blog post or something and just throw it on politics just you know. write it down politics yes. codify it put it in a powerpoint it'll be it'll be real yes. jason did you know that we're all on the level in freemasonry absolutely but Harry Truman, when he was president, he attended the lodge. And while he was in that lodge, he was on the level with all those other brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if we're all on the level, why do we have so many of them? Jason, take it away. Because <laughs> I know you love to say that. It's like your mean, favorite line. I was trying to I was trying to throw you a softball there. But I, I know. No, I just like yep. swing in the miss. Um, no, that, you know, that is one of the core tenets of the fraternity is right. that, um, you know, Masons, there, there's no one above the other. But mm-hmm. then you get into Masonic affiliated organizations, also known as appendant bodies. And then you're like, oh, you know, who's, wait, he got an invite to the, you know, Royal Knights Adept priesthood of the Ark of the Covenant Indiana Jones style? Like, what? why didn't I, mean, I get one of those, right? I mean, you, have, you, have, you have invitational bodies. Um, you have honorary degrees. Um, and, like, to me that, you know, I, I get that there are... I get that there is some exclusivity to those and there's, there's like some, 
you know, draw to the exclusivity of those groups. But to me, a lot of that just seems to undermine some of the core values of, of Freemasonry. If not, you know, I agree. You know, if, if not in principle, but, but in practice, right. And to, to pull that point, right. Even if it's, even if it's explicitly said like, Hey, don't call me grandmaster or don't call me most worshipful. Just call me brother. It's like, yeah, but you know, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> Cause you, you, you know, you kind of have that title. Right. And so forever these, these people be most worshipful, even though, you know, even if they, if they truly honestly mean it, then, you know, then it, it certainly, um, it has a, an air of a different level of masonry. That's for you, John. We do. We do. Stop. <laughs> We're going to get hit with like a copyright strike. <laughs> yeah, so again, but when I was, a, when I was a young Mason, right, I go in a lodge and everyone's like, oh, here's this past master. I'm like, okay, I don't know why he's a big deal, but like, oh, but past master, you got, you got to listen to him. And, you know, in some jurisdictions, they have like a whole like seating, seating row for past master. Let each past master get a chance to, to, uh, bring up anything they want in lodge. And it's like, but we're all brothers, right? We're all, we're all on the same level, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe kind of. Well, well, not if you've got seating charts for people based on the color of their apron, I would have to argue that point a little bit. All right. We've got time for one more. Who wants to do one last topic? Let's do Masonic tattoos. Let's do Masonic yes! tattoos. Yeah. Oh, we'll get you there, buddy. We'll get you there. So Masonic there. tattoos. Um, Masonic. Why they're a contradict? First of all, love tattoos. Um, your body is is your temple and and your canvas. Love it. Uh, I definitely have lots of symbology on my arms. But I think why we're bringing but that it up, goes you know, against your obligation. That's exactly right. Right. You shall not do this, this, this. There is rabble, no. Rabble, rabble, rabble. no Y'all can take this clip, whether in its audio form or video form, and play it at Lodge next time. I'm about to explain it for all of you. Okay. This is make it into a TikTok. All those, all those. Oh, you know what? We got we got the TikTok plug in, right? We can bring this out. So. Oh yeah. Here it is, Brother Joe is saying this for everybody. So listen, there is nothing in a Masonic obligation that says you can't draw crap on your arms or your legs or your face or your neck or your belly button anywhere you want. If it's allowed to be on the sign of your lodge, on the city sign as you're driving into the city, on your on your monthly newsletter or trestle board or whatever the hell you call it, if it's allowed to be there and McCoy sells it, okay? Huh. Allowed to go on your body, okay? <laughs> no violation no, no, no. of your Masonic obligation. You can't put ink on your body, but you can buy it for nine ninety nine at McCoy's. <laughs> yes. If it's on, if it's on one of the myriad of lapel pins that you can buy you can put it on your body. Okay. There you go. Boom. Done and done. Joe said it. It's got to be true. Got to be true. All right. Let's take it all home. So final question of the night of the ones we've talked about. And if, if we didn't cover it, you can also pull from that, uh, that Rolodex. 
which do you think would be the most bang for the buck? If we got this contradiction resolved and everyone was on the same page, which would promote the most harmony or the most uh, consistency in the Masonic experience? Well, that's a good question. I know. I thought of it. That's a great question. We'll start with Jason tonight. Which contradiction that we talked about would give us the most bang for the buck? In terms of what? Uh, promoting harmony and resolving the, the, the disparity. Which would be the, the best one to fix first? No, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. He's thinking. Um, yeah, I do it from time to time. These are filler words that I'm using. Yeah, your face is a filler word. <laughs> As you wish. Oh, thank you. As you wish. Well, these inside jokes never get old. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely macroaggression, man. We, yeah. we don't go big or go home. Yeah, like. I, I feel like some sometimes folks on the show don't understand, like, the four of us have spent the better part of the past 10 years in constant contact every <laughs> single day. Daily. Yeah. Daily. So, <sighs> we bring you into our friends group, and we are this mean to each other off camera. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Yeah, we have the mystic tie that binds us together Thursday nights. Anytime you want to answer the question, that'd be great. Anytime I want to answer the question, I'm just vamping. <laughs> um, I would say landmarks. Okay. That's, because that's they are so often used as a foundational underpinning for what is the right masonry and the wrong masonry. Yet they are so often not immutable and different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And I think if we can all get ourselves on the same sheet of music, then I think we, we probably have a good bit you know, less misunderstanding and hostility among jurisdictions. But that would require people to set their egos aside. What? I don't think that will happen. No way. Yeah. Good call though. That's a good one. Joe. Yeah, he stole mine. Um, oh. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pick a different one. So I will say, and this started out as a joke, but I think if we remembered this more and remembered the reason why we are supposed to go to Lodge, then things might be better. And I'm going to go with the one, again, that was a joke, that we're all on the level, and that's why there's so many of them. Because, um, again, we we... I don't even know the word for this. We make grandiose and we make important pontificate pontificate on things that um, we say over and over again during our Masonic degrees don't matter. Um, you know, we talk about the internal and not the external uh, reasons for why someone becomes a Mason or why they join. And then we just, cover these people with gold and glitter and shiny things and lapel pins and metals and bling bling and all this crap. Um, so do we care about the internal or do we not care about the internal? Um, you know, what about brother Jose's question. Um, I D G A F. That is my answer. Wow. Yeah. Right. You wear it in or out. however you want, brother Jose, you wear it sideways perpendicular 
at a 47 degree angle, whatever tickles your pickle, my friend, because right. again, yes. So caring about the internal and actually being on the level, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, 45 minutes of introductions for people that you already know. So true. Boom. That's a good one. Awesome. All right. Uh, which is good. Cause that is not the one I was going to pick. I think for, for me, I would have to say that resolving the whole clandestine versus irregular conversation would actually resolve a lot of what it would resolve a lot of the conflict, not only across, across, uh, jurisdictional boundaries, but also, um, you know, just recognition writ large across, uh, you know, uh, specifically, you know, PHA, right. We're still trying to work through PHA recognition and how it's sometimes universal. Sometimes it's not. And yes, if we could fix that clandestine versus irregular conversation, that would go a long way. And then we wouldn't care if George Washington was clandestine or, and or irregular and underage, just be a brother. Yes. No, we would just posthumously expel him. <laughs> you go ahead and bring that up in AW22. All right, let's do that. <laughs> um, good show tonight. A lot of good conversation, both uh, with us and on the chat. So, good times. Let's, um, let's see you next week. And remember, keep searching for more light. Wow. Keep searching for more light. More light.